This is the Social Pros Podcast, the weekly show for real people doing real work in social media. With your host, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert, and featuring Jeff Roars, Nick Cicero from Expian, and great guests from the world of social media and content marketing. Social Pros is sponsored by Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company, Expian, Janray, powering personalized marketing with customer profile management, and Cision. Ready to learn from the pros? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros. It is, in fact, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined today by my pal Nick Cicero from XBion. Nick, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very well, Jay. How are you doing today? I'm okay. It is a uh, it is a rainy Monday, and after a beautiful, gorgeous weekend, uh, I kind of feel like we are back to reality. It being Monday and being uh, not the not the nicest weather, but sometimes that happens. Lots of interesting kind of social media, digital marketing things going on in the last um, uh, week or, or two. Lots of announcements, Google Plus and Facebook and all kinds of other things that we'll get into today and in next week's show. Uh, our pal Jeff Roars from Exact Target is ill today. He is not able to make the show. He's got the flu. So uh, if my day is a little bit uh, somber because of the rain, his day is uh, most definitely somber. But we will press on without Mr. Roars. And one of the reasons we'll be able to succeed even without uh, the comedic and intellectual stylings of Jeffrey K. Roars Esquire, he is in fact an attorney, as you know, uh, is we have a fantastic guest on today's show. Mr. Nick Robinson, who is a digital strategist at SAP, is joining us on Social Pros today. Nick, how are you? I'm not too bad, and I hope I can uh, live up to the expectations uh, that Jeffrey has established on this show. We will find out. Uh, I'm sure he will be listening to the recording when he is on the mend. Nick, I, I understand that your title at SAP is now Digital Strategist, but previously uh, you were Social Media Channel Manager. Uh, does that mean that that SAP no longer believes in social media, or you got promoted, or they just decided to change the nomenclature of their titles, or all all of those. Uh, so uh, I think the biggest thing is that social media uh, has, in fact, uh, become so important that it's integrated into everything we do digitally. I mean, even you could even go as far as saying offline as well. And to make things a little more clear and clarify things, we actually drop the social from from our titles for. Um, for the one fact being that we don't want to treat social like a silo. So, um, you know, where possible, we're integrating social into every tactic that we deploy. And so that's the reason why my title has changed. But your job description is is relatively similar. Um, can you talk a little bit about about what you actually get involved in at SAP and sure. and how your team is structured? We'll get into more of the details in a minute. But you're doing a lot of stuff in in social and digital. You guys have a lot of lines um, in the water. Uh, how do you get all that done? And, and what kind of personnel do you have on the team? Sure. So we have we have three strategists on our team and. The way the marketing organization is structured is where we were formed around audiences. So the audiences in this case are called uh, integrated plans. So we we're we're looking at um, nine different audiences in North America and Latin America. And um, the way we 
approach, uh, you know, getting, you know, at least putting the plans together is I have three different uh, audience types, and then my other team members uh, take the rest of the audience types. And so um, what I do is I sit down with each marketing team. So these marketing teams are mostly concentrated on field marketing, so that's a, a lot of field marketing is focused on traditional marketing like events and uh, um, offline advertising, uh, and then also like cold calling. Yes, we do still do cold calling and outbound marketing. So based on the traditional marketing tactics and strategies, we put together uh, inbound strategies and um, you know digital marketing strategies. And then from there, uh, we actually have uh, a couple of agencies uh, that help us execute, as well as a couple of internal resources, but most of the execution is handled by an agency, and then we just set, we set the plan. So um, let's break down what the agencies do for a second. So one agency is actually uh, uh, responsible for media buying and then uh, you know paid media execution. So they're um, launching into planning and launching into market anything from a you know paid Twitter campaign all the way to a traditional content syndication campaign. So content syndication in this case uh, would be you know sending out a, a white paper uh, to a publisher's audience where they would get you know get pointed to a landing page to register. Um, but then you know we're also uh, looking at New content syndication, in you know, in my opinion, it's new is the, um, the Outbrain and Taboola, and uh, so that's the paid media side. And then we have the kind of the more day-to-day -day organic campaign execution. So this is uh, putting together webcasts, uh, writing blog posts, uh, making sure that um, you know, an ebook is getting produced. That's more, so it's more of the content production side. And then once that content is produced, my team also uh, manages anywhere from 10 to 12 uh, social channels, and we make sure that this content is actually getting produced. And then finally, um, m most of the reporting is done in-house. When when you talk about um the planning cycle. What is the cycle on those plans? Is that is that sort of a monthly plan? Is it quarterly? Is it annual? And are there are there different plans? You talked about audiences. Those audiences are are product type as well as geographies. So the the audiences at kind of at the highest level are just it's like personas. And got it. Uh, each region, yeah. So each region has a more sophisticated persona based on research and sales conversations and social chat, you know, social listening. So, so, you know, all these data points are mashed together to produce a persona. And we want, I mean, we want to take it as far as, you know, our, like a regional, meaning like a sub-region within North America, per se. There might be a different audience. And that would actually help us, uh, you know, I produce like sales plays and even sophisticated like regional marketing campaigns. So um, that, that's essentially what that means. Great. Hey, Nick, this is Nick. By the way, great name. Mm -hmm. that's a, I'm a big fan of all the guys' names. <laughs> I know. Nick. That is a great name. We're going to do a whole month of episodes with everybody named Nick. So uh, if you have a request, uh, email me. 
That's right. Um, so, you know, going back to what you're saying and talking about, you know, being able to, to create these different audiences, um, you mentioned paid media a little bit more and maybe some of the, the things that you're doing with, like, a Tapula or an Outbrain. Um, mm -hmm. Could you just go into a little bit more detail, maybe connecting to, you know, working with your different clients and being able to come up with paid media strategies and how you're actually helping them kind of drive more business and conversions through their funnel, uh, through that paid mm -hmm. strategy? Yeah, so... You know, my team's really focused on top of the funnel. Um, field marketing is focused on, like, really bottom of the funnel activities. So there, field marketing looks at pipeline. And now, this isn't a business-to-business -business concept. So, really, like, the way we're structured is very business-to-business -business, um, focused. So um, what we do, though, from a paid media perspective is we produce what's what we call thought leadership content. So it's kind of like it's the content that they would define as utility. So it's, it's content that solves business problems. It's useful. And we, we through, you know, recommending paid media strategies, you know, the content first has to be useful, interesting, or entertaining. Uh, and then what we do uh, is look at, you know, so it's like a media myth model. So we actually go to our analyst teams, and we use tools like um, Adobe Marketing Cloud to actually produce a media mix uh, analysis. And then based on the media mix analysis, we, we go to our agency and say, hey, um, this is kind of uh, the breakdown of where we want to invest. Now let's help us find out where this particular audience hangs out online. So. If so, for example, if we wanted to reach the marketing uh, or, let's say, the CMO, um, the, the media agency are, you know, does research and then uh, issues RFPs to the appropriate categories. And then we obviously take a look at it and we, you know, see if it's within our budget. Um, and then aligns to, you know, the buying cycle also that we uh, are responsible for as well. So there's kind of, there's also collaboration too. So... You know, we're focused on top of the funnel, but then there's there's got to be collaboration with field marketing because they're focused on the under, other end of the funnel, and if we're not focusing on that piece as well, then it's just an incomplete marketing strategy. You've been involved in, and are currently involved in a lot of, of different social channels. Uh, in fact, you, you have um, an on-site social hub that we'll make sure we link up uh, in the show notes. It's actually similar to the social media hub from VMware. We talked to uh, VM uh, last episode, I believe it was, and they've got a nice kind of social hub that has links to all their different uh, social media accounts and excerpts and things like that. Mm -hmm. So so two questions for you. First, do you have a sense for how many social media accounts SAP has as a global organization it's got to be a ton uh, and two what is the process for for colonizing a new one so I imagine this happens all the time I certainly see it on the consulting side in big companies where somebody in some division in some country in some circumstance says hey we want to have a Twitter account too um, do you have a process in place for saying yes you can have one or no you can't have one yes so um First, we have what we used to have until about a month and a half ago, over like 200 Twitter channels, and that's just Twitter. Um, we recognize that, that that's a proliferation of accounts, and, and it, confu it ultimately confuses our, prospe our prospects and customers. Um, 
and I think one of the reasons for uh, the, the large volume is that marketers didn't really understand that Twitter's not like an email list. So, for example, I was asked about six months ago um, if they should produce a Twitter channel for SAP higher education. And it's so specific that I, I just don't think it would gain the type of traction. So I, I recommended against it. So that, that just goes to show you how many channels there are. And then the next piece is, yeah, so we actually have a, uh, a central global um, governance team. And uh, requests are actually submitted through a tool. And this tool actually uh, manages our portfolio. So you submit a request to the tool. You have to have um, a, a plan put together, you know, with budgeted resources to manage these channels. Plus, it has to align to what our, you know, what the the global strategy is for the business. So, SAP Higher Ed, um, if it were submitted today, it would get turned down because, um, as a as a, a global strategy, uh, we're actually one of the pillars is. Uh, one digital experience and simplification. So adding another account most likely get turned down. So we actually even have, you know, cut the amount of accounts that we want yet, but uh, we're on our way to cutting way more accounts. Oh, so you're actually going to go through and, and, and prune that tree aggressively. For sure. When you do that, when, when, and again, I'm, I'm sure you're not getting rid of Twitter accounts that are massively popular, right? That's the whole point of why they're mm -hmm. being cut. Uh, but when that happens, when you say, hey, this Twitter account no longer exists or is going to be um, deprecated, do you, do you message that to people who follow that account and say, hey, we're going to kind of take the things that we were talking about on this Twitter account and now also talk to them uh, on this other Twitter account that you may or may not have previously followed? So I think, what, you know, we actually haven't, even uh, discuss that yet. So most of the accounts that do get cut are accounts that literally haven't been touched in months. Like they, um, there's a certain criteria that they need to update like three to five times per day, and they have to be updated at least like uh, you know three to five times per week, and that's that's still pretty low for yeah for the for the the speed. But it's something, Twitter right? It's a sustained moves. level of participation. I mean, there's some effort right. there. Yeah. Right. So, from a from a you know a, a you know a transition standpoint, that you know we haven't even discussed that yet because there will there will inevitably be these tough decisions where the, there'll have to be a transition for an account that is being actively managed. So um, that's a really good question, and I honestly don't have the answer to that. But I could say. That, in my opinion, you, you know, we would probably have to come up with a communication cadence where we, you know, let the audience know over yeah. time, and whatever that time is, we'd have to come up with that schedule. Well, the fact that you said that many of these accounts aren't posting at all certainly makes it a little easier to message that because it's not like they're not getting things that they were getting. They weren't getting anything, and now they're officially not getting anything. So it's it, you know, the, the the practical result of that is the same. Uh, at, at that point. Right. You talked about getting involved in, in content and, and sort of bringing all, all things under the digital umbrella. What would you say is the relationship or what do you think of the, as the relationship between content marketing and, and social media at SAP? 
Yeah, I mean, I think they're inevitably intertwined. I, you know, I think that before I came to this company, there were there were certain channels where they, you know, it would just be like marketing tactics focused. So it would be like, here's a webinar, attend the webinar. Here's an event registration link, attend. Like it, it, it was just pretty much like a, a banner ad on Facebook. Uh, and that's how it was treated. So, but then what we did uh, at the end of last year and the beginning of this year is we said, okay, let's let's do a little test here, and let's based on the audience, let's produce a series of blog posts that drive to uh, a landing page which which hosts a educational uh, white paper. You know, it's a lot like what HubSpot does. So there's always a call to action at the end of the blog post. But the offer isn't like, you know, attend a webinar about SAP uh, mobile device management. It's, it's, a, it's download this white paper about um, the five-year outlook for mobile technology, something like that. So it's thought leadership. And we noticed that um, after implementing this strategy for like four months, we generated, I mean, one, the engagement year over year uh, was up around 50%. So what we do when we look at engagement is we look at engagement per post because that equalizes the, you know, the different volumes of audiences that we're reaching. So some, uh, for example, like the, there's an IT audience in way more budget and campaigns are run uh, focusing on the audience. So if you look at total engagement for just the IT audience, it would it'd be way out of whack versus you know, other audiences like marketing. So, but overall, engagement per post is way up and engagement was up. And then ultimately responders. Uh, responders, in this case, are just people who downloaded our content. And the nice thing is that we can actually uh, measure pipeline contribution too because everything's tracked. When somebody, um, when somebody downloads a piece of content, it's, it's tracked in our CRM through our marketing automation. And uh, we, can actually, we can actually quantify how much pipeline we're reaching uh, if we're progressing deals when somebody downloads a piece of content. And then ultimately down the line, because this is like top of the funnel activity, we'll be able to say how much revenue we drove. But that's not the end all be all. It's just that it's kind of a nice to have to see, you know, where people are in the, in the buying process. Yeah, yeah, I'd say a lot of people would call that a, a nice to have, being able to being able to put actual dollars against every piece of content. That's a that's a pretty sweet gig. Yeah, yeah, and it is. But I, I also think you have to be careful about it because sometimes it drives the wrong behavior. So I've seen instances where marketing generated opportunity was kind of like the key performance indicator for social media. Um, but it's kind of like it's less predictable because most of the content that we put out there is really meant for top of the funnel activity and just to drive engagement and and, and new contacts for our company. Um, and I've seen instances where it's driven the wrong behavior because they're it, it really drove the behavior where they're putting webinar updates on their Facebook page. So we tried to change it, but it's still interesting to look at. Um, but you just have to be really careful about how you yeah. position it. Yeah, Nick, and I think that that brings up an interesting point that that you know Jay and I were just chatting about. 
is how are you really, you know, with somebody like an SAP, you have offices and different umbrellas all over the globe and so many different departments, like you said. Aside from your consolidation mm -hmm. of social, how do you enable all of those employees around the globe to get involved in your social content in a way that is uh, efficient and not necessarily adding to them? Yeah, so we've done some really interesting work around this. So there, it comes in a couple of ways. Uh, it's come in a couple pockets, and we're trying to figure out how to basically bring it all in. So there's like one person doing some really cool stuff over here in like, you know, Germany, and then one person doing some really cool stuff here, in, you know, in like Latin America. So what we're trying to do is consolidate like all these, you know, really, you know, these best practices into one place. And then we're also looking into technology as well. So uh, currently we're doing a pilot in Latin America with everyone's social. And, uh, and it's really focused on social selling. So, um, I get, and then social selling is kind of like a combination of uh, just general blog posts about the market. And then, uh, in addition, it's like hard offers like webinar, uh, webinar invites, event invites, uh, and then white paper downloads. And in order to enable the, the sales force, we have, uh, we have a couple of leads Globally, actually, in each region, there, there's um, a social selling evangelist almost, and so they they hold enablement sessions. They uh, provide resources in our internal social network. So we use SAP Jam, um, and that's uh, so you know if anybody ever has a question, we the, the team can point them to the internal um, the internal Jam page, which um, you know it hosts uh, webinar replays. Uh, uh, best practice ebooks. I mean, even success stories too. So there's like, it's like, um, it's kind of like a customer testimonial or case study uh, ebook as well. Yeah, and I like that idea about you know you finding kind of the the thought leaders in each one of those regions. Uh, I remember you know reading a slide share from Marcus Nelson one time that talked about kind of being a talent agent within your own organization. Uh, and being able to find those people who are excelling so they can and then spread that love towards other people and, and enable the process more and more. And maybe it's more people teaching themselves instead of so much centralized focus on trying to educate thousands and thousands of employees. Right. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, we and we do have, we have some data, initial data around just like, uh, you know, a, a salesperson sending out an event invite versus the brand channel sending out uh, the same event invite. So, and we've noticed that um, personalized communications through the sales organization, uh, one, I mean, so I don't think that the volume's not quite there, but we actually have revenue, um, touch revenue or touch pipeline figures. So we kind of have like, you know, we have a comparison now and we just need to figure out how to amp up adoption. Nick mentioned uh, SlideShare, and I noticed when I was doing some research for today's show that you have a very strong SlideShare program. Does that fall under uh, your direction, yours and the other strategists? And, and can you comment a little bit on on what SlideShare means to the overall uh, kind of program there at SAP? Sure. So um, SlideShare, the SlideShare page that you probably looked at is is a global channel. So the actual channel is managed by um, a central global team. And there, it's, it's kind of a virtual team. So there's one person in New York. I think there's one person here. 
and a couple in uh, Palo Alto, California. And um, essentially, they, they've created the rails for everyone else. So they actually don't create any of the content. Um, regions do. So we're considered a region. So um, we work at, uh, we do a couple of things with SlideShares. We create the content internally as a team uh, for experimental uh, SlideShares. And then we also work with an agency. And then, um, so sometimes if we experiment, we'll actually, uh, you know, uh, give the experiment, based on the, you know, based on the results, we'll give the experimental content to the agencies and say, hey, can you try this and scale it out. Um, I think SlideShares actually, it's, it's gained importance in our strategy um, over the past year, um, basically because we're focusing more on driving early funnel engagement because we have some numbers around uh, like actual spend. So we could, we could actually correlate uh, an increased uh, engagement on all, you know, multiple properties uh, to you know, an increase in customer spend. So I mean, it's pretty, wow. I would say it's- Is that for like current customers or new customers? So we actually have some data. So that's a, that's a combination. So the, the, the increased customer spend uh, is kind of like a model that they put together. And I, I'm, I would imagine there's probably more weight uh, applied to current customers. But what we're trying to do is actually look at, look at that type of model on a channel-by-channel basis. And SlideShare, uh, I would imagine, we have some pretty heavy weight engagement. Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, before we get to the holy social uh, segment of the program, uh, the last question I have for you, Nick, until we get to the end, where we have two big questions for you, is uh, I noticed uh, that you are a lacrosse coach, and my son is a, a lacrosse player, a new lacrosse player. I wanted to get your take on uh, on your lacrosse career, and uh, you know, I've read Ooh. millions of articles now—not millions, but several. Uh, that uh, that say that lacrosse is the fastest growing sport in America, and uh, it's uh, quite a great game. How did you how did you get into all that? You know, it's really funny. Um, I actually had something prepared for my Skype call, and you'll be surprised in what my answer is. But uh, all right, so uh, good timing. Um, so so I actually started playing lacrosse late. Um, I wish I had started earlier, but I so I my first lacrosse game ever. Uh, that I attended was an indoor lacrosse game uh, in Philadelphia, and I was in eighth grade. And the moment I saw the game, I just like fell in love. I got obsessed, and uh, so I, I started playing. I didn't start playing until ninth grade, and I kind of, you know, I just did the camping circuit, and I worked my butt off, and I ended up playing college lacrosse in upstate New York, and. Uh, you know, I, and I still follow the game today. And, Whereabouts? Uh, uh, Ithaca, New York. Ah, uh, you don't say. Syracuse myself, yeah. and I All grew right. up playing cross as well, and I went to Nazareth College. Okay, yeah, those are... You probably, you probably played it, yeah, I know, you probably probably played it. Yeah, I, yeah, I played my no. whole life and growing up in Syracuse, going to SU yep. Cross. Yeah, so all of my roommates were from Syracuse, so I went up there often. We actually played up there too for uh preseason. So Yeah. Um but, a hot bed up yeah. So, I'm gonna yeah, have to get I'm gonna have to get Nick and Nick out to Indiana for some coaching. Yeah, bring me out. I uh charge by the hour. Can do. 
I love it. I will. I just need. I just want a goal. Give me some goals. Put a goalie in there. <laughs> That's fantastic. And the last thing I wanted to ask you about, um, I forgot to ask this earlier, is uh, I saw that that you are the author of Stumble Upon uh, for Dummies, and that's something we don't talk about yeah. on this show uh, very much. Uh, I'm a, a fan of Stumble Upon uh, myself. I've used it a few times, both personally and for amplification projects. Uh, do you want to comment on that a little bit, sort of the state of Stumble Upon and, and uh, where you see it fitting in? Yeah, so I think um, Stumbleton is probably, this is where it fits into our strategy. It might fit in differently to other people's strategy, but I see Stumbleton as like one of the most cost-efficient content indication uh, channels out there. So um, if you look at Outbrain, like the what I've seen is the average cost per, per click or visit is around like 10 to 40 Maybe even fifty cents. So stumble upon um, when you when you do paid, it's called paid discovery. It's around like ten to thirty cents, and the targeting is like amazing. So you can target by age, gender, location. Um, they even have like interest bundles. So for example, if you're looking to target adrenaline junkies, this, this adrenaline junkie category has like ten to twenty data points in it. So it's like StumbleUpon has these data scientists putting together data models and then allowing you to target those type of people that uh, use the platform. Um, and then, you know, I think StumbleUpon, from an organic standpoint, it takes a while to gain trust with the engine. So I always use the example of Forbes. So Forbes got in on into the StumbleUpon game early, um, you know, in StumbleUpon's early days. And it's just gained such a good reputation for quality content that every time Forbes puts a piece of content on StumbleUpon, it just takes off and you know generates thousands of uh, stumbles in traffic. So that's that's kind of my take on StumbleUpon. So if you're looking to get started, I would say uh, experiment with paid discovery. And um, what you can do is just you know do a, a really small spend and if you you know you're you can target the right audience, and if it takes off, then um, you know introduce more spend to the campaign. Nice. I'm guessing the thrill seeker audience is not the core SAP audience. The adre- adrenaline junkie, adrenaline junkie SAP buyer. Yeah. No. See, the SAP buyer is more about like stability. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the opposite segmentation. I love it. Right. I love it. Thanks, Nick. We'll be back with more uh, from Nick Robinson from SAP in just a little bit. Um, uh, but first, I want to remind you that this podcast, this very podcast, Social Pros, is brought to you by the good people at Cision. Uh, Cision is the leading provider of software services and tools to the public relations industry. They have a terrific free guide talking about content. It's great. To, uh, we mentioned stumble upon just a moment ago on content amplification. Uh, Cision has a free tip sheet called Six Tips to Help Amplify your content, really actionable insights, um, super easy to use and follow, some great things to think about as we all realize now how important amplification is in the content and social arena. So you should grab that. It's for free. As soon as we're done with the show, grab this online. It's six tips to help amplify your content from Cision. And you can get that at ar.gy slash amplify. 
That's ar.gy slash amplify, and that's all lowercase. The podcast is also brought to you by XBion. XBion has a centralized platform that empowers global brands, agencies, and retailers to manage their social marketing efforts. If you have a complex social media universe where you have a lot of different users, you got to have permissions, you got to have governance. If you've got um, uh, a lot of locations like a franchise organization, higher education, that kind of thing, XBM would be a fantastic platform to take a look at. Also really good for complex retailers. And in fact, XBM has some very interesting research that you should take a look at called the Fave 50 Social Retail Report that analyzes the Facebook presence of 50 top U.S. retail brands. They looked at 16,000 individual Facebook posts and found a lot of best practices that you can use in your own business, even if you're not in retail. So you can grab that right now. Now from XBion, it's free. It's the Fave 50 Social Retail Report, and you can get that at ar.gy slash Fave 50. Okay, now it is time for the holy social section of the podcast. Um, Nick is uh, going to get that set up um, for just a minute more. Uh, so while he uh, kind of gets his notes, I am going to remind you that uh, the podcast is also brought to you by the good people at Exact Target, a world leader in interactive marketing software. Usually that uh, would be our cue for Jeff Roars to chime in, but as mentioned, Jeff is uh, is sick. But one of the things that Jeff would tell you is that Exact Target has this is a really fantastic um, piece of uh, of content. It's called the Design Toolkit, uh, and the Design Toolkit really shows you. It's a three part toolkit. Shows you how to make your emails look good, how to make your emails work well, and how to make sure that your emails get results. It's a really, I mean, it's a comprehensive free guide from Exact Target. Does anybody know more about uh, email than those guys? I'm not certain. Grab this now. It's the design toolkit from Exact Target. You can get it at ar.gy slash design tools. That's ar.gy slash design tools, all lowercase. Okay, Nick, uh, are we ready for Holy Social? That we are, Jay. And this week is, is as you may know, it's coming around the Tribeca Film Festival in New York City. Uh, so here in the Tribeca area where the XBion New York offices are located, film trucks, there's a lot of people. Um, and as I was going around the campaign, allowing New Yorkers to tweet out their favorite New York-related movie, uh, which they're then going to screen across all the five boroughs this summer for everybody to come out and check it out. And so I think that, the, you know, the whole about this is that not only are they you know being able to activate all these local folks around the city in the five different boroughs um, they're actually pulling together and they're curating all the tweets on this really cool freeforallnyc.com uh, where they're pulling in and a really cool visualizations of like film strips and film feeds of, of different folks that they've highlighted who've been tweeting along the way um, they've also been able to get a lot of great influencers in the area to actually share so they're doing spots inside of taxis where they're promoting the hashtag and doing little vignettes uh, with different folks around the city. They're also getting folks like Donald Trump and other prominent and famous New Yorkers to get favorite movie. I think Donald Trump said that his favorite, um, his vote was for Citizen Kane. So <laughs> I think that there's a lot of interesting ideas out there. But I think it's really great. You know, I'm a big fan personally of, of adapting social to as local as you can possibly get it down, even from a, a big national global company like AT&T. I think it's really great. And, you know, they have a, a handle AT&T NYC that you know, they create to, to kind of create that community locally inside of New York whilst, you know, kind of not bogging it down, but 
also being able to create these localized messages. So I think it's a really great effort on their part to, to bring something back and to activate their sponsorship in a way that just doesn't involve, you know, folks who have tickets to the Tribeca event. Man, you said it. I mean, that activation activation uh, of sponsorship is is so key, and people are really starting to do that better in social. I, I love this example. We'll make sure to link it up uh, in the show notes. Uh, and the nice thing is, as far as we know, it hasn't been hijacked yet, like the most recent uh, NYPD uh, Twitter program. So uh, I, I guess it's not universally a problem, but only in some cases. So it's uh, it's nice to see. Uh, and I agree that the the hyper local nature of it just increases relevancy, right? And so you know, we we tend to think globally uh, or certainly nationally uh, for big companies, but sometimes you can have national impact by being relevant at a local level. I think this is a good example of that. Okay, Nick, you mentioned it earlier, the two big questions uh, on the show. You uh, you all already teased us uh, with part of it. Uh, so I'm going to give you a second in case you need to change your answer. I don't think you do, but just in case you need to change your answer, I'll give you a moment and remind everybody at home, that Social Pros is also brought to you by the good people at Janrain, uh, a leader in uh, social media sign-in, social data uh, profile collection services. They power uh, a lot of the social and website integrations that you see out there. Uh, they have a really interesting case study. Sometimes you think, well, that's neat that somebody can log in through Facebook. Like, why does that matter? You got to check out this uh, case study that Janrain put together about the New Zealand Herald, which is the largest newspaper in New Zealand. And using some of the Janrain uh, tools, very easy to use, they increased visitors to their mobile apps by 18%. They increased the number of visitors who leave a comment by 30%. They increased social referrals by 24%. And here's the crazy one. They increased website user registrations by 500%. How did they do it? Check out the free case study from Janrain. You can get that right now at ar.gy slash New Zealand. That's ar.gy slash New Zealand, all lower case. Okay, Nick Robinson from SAP, thank you so much for being on Social Pros. You were terrific. Lots of great information. You know the drill here. Two big questions. The first one, Nick, is what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? So I think if you really want your career to move forward, you got to know your numbers really well. So if you look at any executive or any director, for that matter, they know their their numbers intimately. So there's obviously a fine balance between art and science and business, but ultimately uh, numbers tell the story on whether the art is working. Um, so that's that's uh, my one piece. Yeah, that it makes a lot of sense, and uh, you know. I- Certainly, we talked a moment ago about about your setup there at SAP and how you've got really good visibility into the success ratio for individual content pieces and certainly at the channel level. It's no no doubt a best practice. A lot of companies can't do it or won't do it or don't want to do the work because it requires work, right? I mean, people want to just mm-hmm. press the button and say, show me ROI report. And it doesn't really work like that, unfortunately. You got to put uh, some elbow grease behind it and have software. And a lot of times the software doesn't do it natively. So you got to be sort of the the human middleware, if you will. So uh, I'm glad to see that um, uh, that you're certainly doing that. And I think that is fantastic advice. So to wrap this up with Nick Robinson from SAP, you know the drill, my friend. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be? All right. Well, so it would be uh, Gary Gate. So do you know who Gary Gate is? I do not know who that is. 
So he's essentially the man that uh, helped the sport of lacrosse become mainstream. Um, so I'm a huge lacrosse nut, just like we mentioned before, and it was interesting that we actually brought it up before. So uh, the reason why Jerry or Gary was uh, so influential uh, for the sport was kind of the reason why Michael Jordan was influential in pro basketball. He just did moves that no one else ever did, or he did them 10 times better. Um, so Gary pretty much perfected what is called the uh, behind-the-back pass in the sport uh, and definitely invented, invented what's called the air gate move. So the air gate move is when you'd actually jump from the back of the goal to the front of the goal and score, which is, by the way, extremely hard, and you have to be an incredible athlete to do. So uh, this move is so influential in the sport that the NCAA had to ban it. Um, and I was going to say, because I watch a lot of college lacrosse with my son now, and I've never seen it, so that makes, that makes sense they had to ban it. <laughs> yeah. Yep, they had to ban it. Um, and then in addition, he created or endorsed uh, groundbreaking equipment for the sport, to, which is still being used today. So I think men like him can t that continually push the envelope and um, open up their particular craft to the masses are incredibly uh, important to just like, you know, whether it's the world or business or, you know, whatever you care about, I think people like him are really important to the world. That's, that's fantastic. What does Gary do now? Like, what's his, what's his day job? He's actually a coach at Syracuse. He's the women's lacrosse coach at Syracuse, I believe. Um, and then he runs camps. Yeah. All, you know, all over the country. Um, probably runs camps. In your neck of the woods, Jay. Yeah, well, I, I will be uh, I will be emailing you for lacrosse camp recommendations. Uh, we've always done lots and lots of hockey camps and things like that. But we're going to have to start doing lacrosse camps as well. So I'll make sure uh, to ask you about that offline. Nick Robinson, digital strategist from SAP, has been our guest on this week's Social Pros. Nick, thanks so much. You were fantastic. We'll link up a bunch of the resources um, that we talked about today. Uh, thanks, as always, uh, to everybody for tuning in and for uh, your reviews on iTunes and telling your friends. I was at a couple of conferences recently and a lot of people came up to me and said that they liked the show and listened to the show. That makes me very, very happy and uh, makes uh, Nick Cicero and Jeff Roars happy as well and all of our sponsors. So thanks to each of you. We will see you next week. This has been Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. Please tell your friends about the show. Subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher and view all episodes at socialpros.com. Until next week, thanks to Cision, Janray, XPN, and ExactTarget, a Salesforce.com company.